Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett. My passion for football and pushing boundaries has helped me to create a successful business using the same performance building principles of the world's best players. Through my Move the Ball book, workshops, and consulting work, I've used the same system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize those tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I'm glad that you are here with us today. As you all know, on this podcast, we talk about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. So two things before we get into today's episode. First, if you have not yet already done so, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And secondly, I recently launched the Move the Ball merchandise store. I've been talking about it for quite some time. We did an initial bunch of swag last year and people were asking when I was going to get some new pieces. So that store is up and running. The link is in the show notes. So go check that out if you're interested in that kind of thing. And so for today's episode, I've got a great guest with us. We just wrapped up my Path to the Draft series on the show, and I wanted to bring someone on who is currently playing in the league and who was there just a few years ago being in the similar shoes of a draft class member. So inside the huddle with us today, I'm ready to talk about how he's moved the ball, is Zaire Franklin. Zaire is an NFL linebacker who currently plays for the Indianapolis Colts. He played college football at Syracuse. And while he was there, he was a three-time captain, becoming only the second person in Orange football history to do so, and the first since 1896. Zaire was drafted in the 2018 NFL Draft by the Colts, where he has been playing ever since. We will talk about all of that and more in today's show. Zaire, welcome to the show. Appreciate you having me on, Jen. Well, I'm excited to have you here with us. I remember talking with you last year about coming on the show, so I'm glad that we're making it happen today. And I recently saw you when I was down in Tampa, you were doing your off-season training. So let's start off our conversation there. I mean, it's important for people to remember that no matter what your profession is, a professional athlete or some other job, you always have to be working on your craft and looking at how you can get better. So you've been down there training with Yo Murphy, who is one of the best in the business. What are some of the things that you really wanted to focus on improving upon this off-season? Well, you know, one of my favorite things to working with Yo is, you know, he does very specific exercises that really target, you know, specific parts of your body to really strengthen up the really small muscles that really make you go. So I would just say just down here, you know, just really trying to work on my mobility, work on my flexibility, you know, functional strength and a bunch of different weaknesses that I have, unbalances that I have, you know, just trying to make sure my body is functioning at the highest level. I just really like and appreciate Yo's program, his attention to detail, and then just honestly, his work ethic. That man's up all day. He's going all day from like 5 a.m. to like 6. So God bless him. But, you know, I definitely enjoy my time downtown. Yeah. Shout out to Yo. Yeah, he definitely has a very strong work ethic, is up super early, works really late, and he definitely knows what he's doing down there. So you've been in the league for a few years now, as I mentioned. And I'm curious, how has your perspective changed over the years from being a rookie to being a vet now? And and we all know the the NFL is a business. So how has your perspective changed over time? I think it's just learning what it means to be a professional, understanding your role, not only on a team, but also within an organization. I don't know, man, there's just so many lessons that you kind of learn, you know, trial by fire in the league. And, you know, thankfully, I was able to 
be afforded to finish just my fourth year going into my fifth year now. So I've learned some things, but I still got a lot more to go. I would just say, like you said before, like the, the NFLs are truly a business. And I think the more you start to understand that and start to embrace that, you'll kind of start to be able to kind of figure things out and, you know, see things coming as they go. Sure. And so let's just talk about the sport of football for a minute. I ask this question all the time of guests on my show. Uh, many people know that I've been a student of the game since I was four years old. I wrote this book called Move the Ball, which kind of kicked off this whole movement. From your perspective, what are some of the strategies and lessons that you've learned from the game that you feel have helped you to be successful and will continue to help you to be successful? Oh, that's a great question. I would say one of the most things is just how to assess a play, whether good or bad, learn from it and then move on from it. I think that's just something that there's a lesson that a lot of people don't learn, you know, throughout life is just how to when you something when you have an experience, you know, taking what's needed to learn from it whether it's a victory or, you know, technically a loss, get the lesson out of it regardless and moving on. It's so many things. I, I mean, football has taught me so much about life. I would say another big thing was how to watch somebody else's mistakes and learn from it and not to repeat those type of things, how to learn from the guy in front of you. Um, in the NFL, you come to learn that, you know, reps are scarce, you know, especially as a seventh round pick. You know, I was like the 11th draft pick that year. You know, I was like the last guy that they got in and you know, I wasn't getting as many reps. So I knew when I got out there, I had to really maximize my opportunities. So I think just one of the biggest things for me was just really watching and learning from the guys ahead of me, um, learning what they did good and also learning from what they did bad. So I didn't make similar mistakes. So, and I feel like that could apply in a lot of different terms of business. You know, when you kind of watching, you know, the, the marketplace and, and watching your peers and different people do certain things, it, even if somebody's in a different industry as you, you could learn from, you know, kind of how they carry their business, how they market their business, you know, how they structure certain things from it and kind of make it your own. And also you can learn from some bad things, too, and seeing how like some people kind of just let certain things slip and didn't really take advantage of certain opportunities and how it ended up to their downfall. So I feel like football has taught me so much about life and so much about business. It's like honestly one of the greatest tools, lessons, in my opinion. Completely agree. And I like that you mentioned a couple of things. One, learning from every experience, right? Finding the lessons from them, whether they're good or bad, and then focusing on the next play, not getting stuck in that experience or that moment. And then secondly, you're absolutely right. Learning from the mistakes of others is so important to accelerate our progress and not do the same things that they've done, whether it's football or some other industry, especially today with social media and, and online content. There's so many ways to just view other people in whatever space you're interested in and see what are they doing right? What are they doing wrong? What mistakes have they made that they're sharing about so that we can continue to move the ball and not make those same mistakes? For sure. For sure. So let's talk about you playing college football at Syracuse. Just tell us generally, how was your experience transitioning from high school to college? I mean, college is it's changed over the years, especially now with NIL and it's becoming more of a business. But for you going from being a young man in high school to transitioning to Syracuse, what was that experience like? It was definitely interesting. You know, it was challenging, you know, in its own right. You know, obviously going from, you know, being home and being in Syracuse all by yourself, kind of got to grow up fast. But, you know, I had a great team uh, around me. My coach, Clark Lee, he was a big mentor for me. He's the head coach of Vanderbilt now. Um, he was my linebackers coach back then and the guy who recruited me. So he kind of helped you know, toe the line and learn how to, you know, kind of laying the foundation for kind of how I even approach football in the game now, just learning what it means to kind of come to work every day and, you know, just put the work in and stuff like that. So it was definitely an interesting transition, but, you know, I enjoyed it. I love living on campus. I, I love Syracuse. Syracuse was 
one of the biggest parts of my life. Um, I met, you know, all my best friends there. I met my fiance there. So Syracuse was a huge part of my life. So I had a great experience. And when you look back at your college career there, what were some of the most memorable pieces of playing football that you'll take away from playing at Syracuse? I would probably say, obviously, when we upset Clemson my senior year, Clemson was the number one team in the country, beat them at home. That was a great experience. So a lot of battles with Notre Dame, NC State. We played all the Heisman winners, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, James Winston, played all the guys. So, But I would just say, for me, just looking back from football, it's actually really cool to look back just now that being in the NFL, like especially some of my teammates, like it's some of my teammates I've actually been competing against for seven years, like Quentin Nelson. Like, you know, I, I joke with him and I was just telling him at the end of last season, like we really went to war against each other when I played Notre Dame. And even Naeem, me and Naeem, it's actually funny, Naeem's a year younger than me. He was a freshman, I was a sophomore. But after we played our first time, we kind of talked after the game, like, yo, man, I really respect your game. And it was actually kind of, it's so it's a, really a full circle moment that we got drafted to the same team the same year, have been playing together for mad long. And then even now we both got extended by our team. So it's like, we're going to be teammates now for hopefully, you know, three more years. So I think that's just kind of the coolest part, you know, just competing against and even guys you compete against on other teams. Me and Marlon Mack, we done went the battle a few times and, and when he was at USF. So that's probably like my favorite thing is just, the guys that, you know, the top guys on other teams that we have, I went to battles with and stuff like that. Now, like we're teammates, we're peers and we hang out and we cool. So I always think that's interesting. Yeah, for sure. And Naheem, I love Naheem. He was on the show in season one of uh, the podcast. And it's been neat to see his growth as well with the Colts and just in the league and maturing as a player. So at Syracuse, you started in your last 39 games. As I mentioned, when I read your bio, you were a three-time captain. Like, What was that experience like for you to be a three-time captain? Look, it's cool to say, but it was definitely a challenge, to say the least, you know, to be a captain of the team as a sophomore and then basically have to carry that throughout. Definitely wasn't easy. It was something that, you know, I think about being a leader and I think about leadership. I really just think about serving, giving yourself up for others. And, you know, I just felt like, you know, my time at Syracuse, I really just wanted to make sure while I was there that I was being the best teammate and being the best servant to my teammates that I possibly could. And Syracuse, we went through a lot of ups and downs. You know, we our quarterbacks was getting hurt every year. And obviously, if your quarterback gets hurt, I mean, that's basically the whole, that's the whole shebang. But we went through a lot, but I feel like I learned a lot of lessons about what it actually truly means to be a great teammate and also what it means to be a great leader, especially in you know, those times of adversity. Like I said, I attribute a lot of my lessons, you know, not only off the field, but on the field to, you know, my time at Syracuse. Sure. And we talked about how the NFL is a business. It is an organization. The team is an organization and you need leadership there as well to continue to be high performing. When you look at leading in the NFL, what are some of the qualities that you see make the leader successful in the Colts organization as well as just in all of football? First, when the difference between college and NFL is you're leading men, you're not leading kind of kids a little bit. You know, these guys have families and stuff like that. So it's a whole different type of energy that you have to bring to it. But the first thing I would just say about being a leader is just really accountability to yourself. Nobody wants the guy who just up there yelling and rah-rah and all that stuff. I mean, that's cool for the cameras, TikTok, Instagram. That's all fine and dandy. But the guys in the locker room know the guys who are putting the work in every single day, who hold themselves accountable and um, don't cut corners and do whatever it takes to help the team win. So I would just say, you know, that consistency, accountability, then also just, you know, being that helping hand for somebody who, not just for the the running back who's popping right now, you know, JT, he MVP, it's easy to kind of want to be a shoulder for him to lean on, you know, even if he, he probably don't need it. But 
you know, for the guys, for the practice squad guys, you know, when a guy needs, you know, help when he's trying to figure out his thing, when or when a guy who was a high draft pick is underperforming and now is looking, now he's inactive and now he don't necessarily know how to go about that. How are you going to approach him? Like, are you like, that's the time when a leader, in my opinion, truly separates himself and truly like, you know what I'm saying, has that impact on the team. It's not necessarily about the coin toss or getting really the seal in your chest, which is cool, you know, and, I, you know, I definitely appreciate the honor, but for me, it's more, like I said, it's really just about serving my teammates. And that's really all I really care about the most. And whenever I had that opportunity, the fact that they bestow that honor of me to be their leader always means a lot to me. Sure. And you mentioned serving others. I mean, when you look at the great leaders, whether it's in football or sports or business, they're all focused on being that servant leader, focusing on how do I bring value to others? It's not about themselves. Now, let's talk about you transitioning from college into the NFL. That first, you were drafted seventh round, as you mentioned. Talk to us about that experience from learning that you've been drafted to the Colts to going to rookie mini camp and training camp and kind of that uh, first preseason. What was that experience like? Man, it was tough. I can't lie. It was, uh, it was a whirlwind. First of all, as a rookie, your head is just spinning. You know, you don't really know what's going on. You know, I would just say as a such a low draft pick, you know, it was just one of the things you just in the grind. You know, you're just trying to push through it, do everything you can, make an impression to just earn your spot every single day. And um, I just really feel like it just create that dog mentality that, you know, you hear a lot of guys talk about the NFL. And, you know, I think that's why, the, you know, the underdogs, you know, that's those are the ones who really end up growing into the, the guys who end up being the best players in the league just because you came into the league with that adversity, that chip on your shoulder. And now even when you, you know, get some status to get to that point, you got to always maintain that, always have that chip on your shoulder where, like, you always feel like you got something to prove. You always feel like you got somebody to beat out. For sure. It's very easy with social media now. I mean, people can be cruel. People can be mean. People can say whatever they want because they don't really care, right? They just want to put out their negative opinions or their comments. And so as a professional athlete, you see that all the time, more so than someone who is not a public figure. Right. And how do you tune out that noise? How do you stay locked in and just kind of handle your business? What advice would you give to other people that maybe younger men coming into the league so they can stay focused and handle what they need to to have a successful career in the NFL? What I would just say to guys like that is just kind of back to what I said. The only opinions that really matter are the guys in the locker room. The only opinions that matter is the guys who are lining up to your right and left. You. And, you know, those are the only guys that you should ever feel like you have anything to prove to anything to just because you know y'all are out there working together and then outside of that is just having that supreme confidence in yourself and truly understanding that the work that you put in and everything that you sacrifice all the blood sweat and tears got you to this position so you deserve it regardless of what anybody in the internet has to say and if a troll and somebody who don't even have a profile picture feel like they want to comment something on your page i mean at the end of the day those are just words. You you were out there on the field. You know, I feel like Tom Brady always talks about the man in the arena. And I think that's just so big. You know, when I'm on the field, it's just I'm completely tuned out, whether it's loud or quiet, you know, how to code don't really matter. I'm really just focusing on that next play. So I would just tell them, guys, you know, really care about the opinions that matter, your family, you know, your team, your coaches. Like those are the people who opinions should really affect you because those are the ones who know you and, and know everything, what you stand for. And, you know, they are in the trenches with you. You know, outside of that, everybody else's opinions is just their opinions. Everybody has one. So, you know what I mean? You, you know what they do. So that's basically how I look at it. Great advice. So when we look at your rookie season and transitioning from Syracuse to 
the NFL. What were some of the more eye-opening moments for you that really talk about, okay, this is a business, this is the NFL, this is how it's done? Here, share with us some of that. I would just say, you know, so when I first got to Indy, Robert Mathis, you should tell me, because they put me in this super crazy number for training camp. They put me in 97. He should tell me, like, he's like, Zaire, you got to get out of that jersey. And I'm like, at first, I hated it, but then I ended up embracing it because I was just like, no, like, if y'all want to disrespect me, I'm going to wear it then. So he used to be like, no, you got to get out that jersey. I didn't see too many people in that jersey. So I kind of didn't understand what he was talking about until I started to pay attention to the jersey number 40. I probably saw eight different DBs where the jersey number 40, it was just like one day this guy's in the number 40, the next day. And it's just like, man, they bringing guys every other day. Like, you know, it just don't even matter. And then even when you get to the league, you know, every Tuesday is workout day. They go and work out, guys. If, if they think that the linebacker has a weak position, they're working out linebackers. They're trying to bring somebody in. They feel like the receivers are not performing. They're bringing in receivers. They're working them out. They're they bringing in free agents and stuff. They're trying that. So it's just like when you get to the NFL, you understand that, like, you're not competing against a recruiting class. You're not complete, competing against the guys that you were drafted with or even just the guys. in the You're competing against every single person who's looking for this spot. Everybody wants your spot. You know what I'm saying? So you got to do what it takes and what's necessary to, you know, to, to take care of business. You know what I mean? Because it's the greatest job in the world. So everybody's looking for it. Everybody wants your job. Sure. Great point. What was your most memorable game playing uh, that first season, that rookie season? I would probably say it had to be a tie between playing in Philly. We played Philly, the Eagles, my third, the week three. That was like my first start. That was really cool just because I grew up watching them. We went to Eagles game as a kid. So that was pretty awesome. But uh, we played uh, Kansas City that year in the divisional round at Kansas City. And, uh, you know, it was snowing. Playing in Arrowhead Stadium in the playoffs as a rookie was uh, an experience. You know, fans throwing snowballs at us. You know, young Mahomes out there cooking. I mean, luck was cooking, too, but we ended up losing. But that was a great experience. I always remember that one. For sure. So you know, I think it's important, no matter what our profession is, that we always link up with people who are can be mentors for us that have experience that we can learn from. Were there anybody on the team, any vets that first year for you that you kind of aligned yourself with that really took you under their wing and helped you get acclimated? Oh, no question. First and foremost, Pierre Desir, the corner. I think he's still with the Tampa Bay Bucks right now. My whole NC schedule is still the exact same as his NC schedule. Like, I still go to the same masseuse that he went to. I just basically carbon copied everything he did. Pierre was huge help for me. Anytime I needed anything, he always looked out for me. Uh, obviously, Kenny Moore, he's still on our team now, but he was a guy that I always could lean on. Oh, Najee Good, you know, he's retired now, but he was a linebacker. and He just kind of told us a lot about what it took to stay in the league. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's, hard, it's hard enough to get in the league, but it's, it's an art to doing what is necessary to stay in the league. And he kind of brought us and even talked to me a lot about what it meant to be a businessman off the field and uh, kind of how to see different things and kind of understand what was going on, which I feel like is extremely important. And, uh, you know, it's Jabal Shear was a big mentor for me. Mike Mitchell, he's a coach for us now. He was a big deal for me. So it was a couple of guys that definitely, you know, I learned from and leaned on, you know, during my time. And you mentioned about how it's hard to stay in the league. It's hard to get there, right? We know that less than 1% of all college football players get to the league. But then it, it is a job to stay in the league. The average NFL career now is about two years. It used to be 3.2. So it's getting shorter and shorter. What have you been doing to ensure your success and your longevity? Well, first off, you just got to take care of your body. You know, obviously being in yo, dealing with yo, that's that's everything. You got to, you know, take that time and 
and true interest in getting better, constantly trying to push yourself to that next level. Every year, I feel like I come back and I'm a better player than I was a year before. And I feel like that just makes it a harder situation for the team. I also feel like it's just being versatile, you know, being a guy in the building that's that's willing and able to do multiple things and help to be able to fill multiple roles. Because, you know, as the season goes on, you know, guys' roles change. You know, some guys get hurt. You know, guys get on. Some some guys get put on. Some guys get put off. And it's like the dynamic and the identity of a team kind of gets formed, you know, from even when you make the team in August and September all the way up until, you know, about December playoff time. It's like the team is still really forming itself. So, you know, you just got to be flexible and constantly working yourself and, you know, really just hold yourself accountable, you know, but obviously taking care of your body is probably the first and foremost thing. Sure. And you talked about being flexible. I mean, it's not just in your role and how you contribute to the team. It's to the environment and things change. We've all been through this COVID pandemic for the last couple of years. Share with us, how has it been playing in the 2020 season, which is completely different for everybody, COVID protocols, no fans in the stands. What was that like for you? Uh, you know, playing without fans felt like a scrimmage. Like <laughs> we played, we played the Chicago Bears and it was no fans in there. And that just felt like the only thing I did like is when you talk trash, you could talk trash from one sideline to the whole other sideline because it ain't nobody else in there. So they're going to hear exactly what you're saying. So that was actually really fun. I like that. But uh, I, I think it was cool only because like when it was the pandemic, like and there was no fans. It was so important for your team to bring its own energy. And I feel like that was something that I started to really understand and learn about momentum kind of throughout that season. Because I remember when we pulled up and played Detroit, it was like when we pulled up, we had our own energy. There was nobody in the stands, but it was like every time we made a play or made a big play, our whole sideline going crazy. Like you on defense, you got to go cheer the offense on. You When they on, we on defense, the offense cheering us on. And it's like you really pick up feed off of that energy like, you know, you make a play, the whole sideline going crazy. Everybody running to the end zone to celebrate with y'all and stuff like that. And it's stuff like that. Does your team feed off of it? Like your your team, like, I don't know, it affects the game in a way that, like, I feel like some people don't really understand. So it kind of, to me, kind of let me know, like, how close you are as a team and how much I support each other. It really shows up on the field sometimes. Sure, that energy is important. And so then transitioning from 2020 to 2021, and having fans in the stands and things were a little bit different. We kind of figured out this COVID thing to some extent. How was going back to fans and kind of transitioning to another environment? It was lit. You know, obviously just being back with the fans out there, like, you know, Indianapolis, we was blessed enough to kind of have fans the whole time. That's basically just how Indiana is. But going to, you know, we playing in Baltimore, you know, playing in some of these stadiums and going to see their environments and, that's like my favorite thing. The fans make the game just so much better. Like without the fans there, it really affects the game. Like the fans, a lot of cities, they know they affect the game. Like Baltimore, you know, Kansas City, Indy, you know, shout out to the fans. But that energy that they bring and that they give you, it's like they another defender. It's like they another part of the team. And it's like when you really cook and you got the momentum and the fans are going crazy, it's like it's just piling on and it just helps with the momentum of the game, you know, so. Uh, the fans being back was definitely great, man. It definitely was, uh, you know, I'm definitely happy. And it seemed like the fans, they got shut out for a year. So they just couldn't wait to come back and go crazy. That was pretty fun. So I know we're a little bit away from the 2022 season, but what excites you the most about this upcoming season? Uh, I would just say just another opportunity. You know, we got a great schedule. You know, all these teams making all these trades and we get to play all of them. So, you know, I think that's going to be fun. You know, just another opportunity to go out there with my guys. You know what I'm saying? Obviously. You know, last year we didn't end the, the end of the season how we really wanted to, but 
you know, just looking forward to that next opportunity, you know, just to get better and, you know, hopefully go win the championship. Sure. And it'll be interesting to see Coach Reggie Wayne out there as well. That was neat to see that announcement a little while back, too. Yeah, for sure. Definitely got to get Reggie in the building. I, I met him a few times throughout my time there, but definitely going to be cool to have him on the sidelines. And I'm sure he'll definitely bring some great energy as well. So I'll be looking forward to that. So one of the things I like to talk about on the show, moving the ball is not just about you and what you do in your career, but it's the impact you make on others. And something that I know is important to you and was your uh, My Cause, My Cleats campaign was Shalisa's Angels. Tell us about that organization. Yeah, so Shalisa's Angels is my nonprofit organization. It's named after my mother, really in honor of my mom and my mother and my grandma. Uh, I lost my mom when I was 16 and I lost my grandmother a couple of months afterwards. So you know, I was raised by women, so it's really just an, an ode to, you know, the young girls back in our communities. I feel like as professional athletes, sometimes, you know, we obviously could go back and affect the boys. And, you know, our organization does do programs as co-ed, but I always want to make sure we have specific things for the young ladies just to make sure they're not left behind and that we give them the opportunities that they need, especially, you know, from, you know, tough neighborhoods that we're from and that I'm, you know, I'm used to. So, you know, we do a lot of good, a lot of different things. You know, I think our biggest thing right now is a little bit more financial literacy and financial education, really more entrepreneurial education, you know, kind of trying to empower these kids to understand that, you know, there's so many different ways to be a professional other than being an athlete or being, you know, something else. Like you could be a millionaire in a, a million different ways. And I think it's just me going back to the city and going back to going throughout Indianapolis and stuff like that and talking to these kids and giving them opportunities and information that I never was had access to. And, and, you know, different things that I never even knew existed when I was their age. And, you know, hopefully, you know, it'll just open up their mind and open up their vision to, you know, give them, you know, even more opportunities that maybe they didn't even see before. Well, I think it's wonderful what you're doing. And I mean, financial literacy is so important. And uh, just recently, the state of Florida announced that they're making financial literacy a part of their education requirements, which I think is great because I think it, it's some, it's a life skill. It's something that kids can take wherever they go in life. And so it's good to see that the state of Florida is doing it. And then also you're doing it with your organization. Tell people, where can they learn more? So you can learn more about Shalisa's Angels at Shalisa's Angels on Instagram. We also have a website at shalisasangels.org. We got a couple of announcements coming up probably within the next month or two, you know, just about different. We got a couple of events coming up on and then we uh, you'll see everything about everything we've done before on a website. So we got a great website. Check it out. Chalicesandangels.org. Perfect. We will have that in the show notes as well as the Instagram so people can check you out and stay connected to all the great things you're doing with your organization. So outside of football, what kind of things interest you in terms of business ventures? What kind of things are you looking to get into? I would just say, you know, right now, my biggest thing is really real estate. I know a lot of guys is doing real estate right now, but, you know, just to me, my grandmother used to do property management for her own properties. Which I always thought was cool. I used to run around and help her with that stuff. So I feel like I've been doing it for forever. So trying to build that wealth, you know, stuff that way. Right now, I'm kind of in the tech game a little bit, you know, trying to get to learn, you know, about developing some apps and, you know, different things like that. You know, I'm, I'm really just, I really just kind of dabble and I haven't, I don't really feel like I found my niche yet. I'm just really just trying to, you know, expand my mind, expand my vision, you know, and just take advantage of, you know, whatever opportunity come my way. Gotcha. Nice. And so on the personal side, you recently had a baby Cairo. Yeah. So I know he's a newborn baby still, so you're not getting too much sleep when you're at home. But how has the fatherhood experience been for you so far? It's been fantastic. Little man's perfect. That's really the only way I could describe it. Just a little bundle of joy. So 
you know, when I get home, I'm on daddy duty. So that means I ain't getting no sleep at night, but it's all good because that's my boy. So I ain't worried about it. And you got to give mama a break too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got <laughs> so one thing I recently saw about you was you participated in an NFLPA social blitz trivia yeah, contest. Yeah, tell, tell us about that. How was that experience? And you answered quite a few questions correctly. I feel like I know a bunch of random things about a bunch of random things. So my, I actually really feel like I want to go on Jeopardy one day. I was watching Jeopardy with my uh, fiance one time and I was really answering a lot of them questions right. So I was just like, look, if I actually study for this, I actually might be nice at Jeopardy. But I don't know. They asked me to answer some questions for a free hoodie. And I ain't gonna lie. I do a lot of things for a free hoodie. So I was like, all right. And then I end up doing good. So <laughs> there you go. And maybe one day we'll see you on Jeopardy. So we'll stay tuned yeah, maybe. <laughs> for that. So what I want to do now, Zaire, is run you through my two minute drill as we look to close the show. I am ready. Okay. First question is when you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? A teacher. Oh, any particular subject? Probably history. That was always my favorite. Nice. What three words would you use to describe yourself? I would say motivated, empathetic, and handsome. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Three great words. If you had one intro song played at all of your public appearances, what would that one song be? I'm a, oh man, one song probably gotta be, uh, Man, you really put me on the spot with that one song. I probably had to go Jay-Z just off the strength. It had to be maybe Moment of Clarity, Jay-Z. Okay. What is one thing most people don't know about you? Uh, One thing people don't know about me is that I took karate when I was in third grade, and I ended up being a blue belt. Oh, very good. Some people on the show know that uh, that I'm a third-degree black belt in Taekwondo, so I was a fellow martial artist. I mess with you now. <laughs> That's right. Next question is what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? So right now, obviously, I, I check out a couple episodes of Earn Your Leisure every now and then. But the book I'm actually reading right now is called The Psychology of Money. And it's basically just mm. uh, about, you know, how we view money and really thinking about money is less as dealing with habits and more having to do with like behavior if that makes sense. Like it's less about discipline and it's more about how you view and how you experience life. So it's actually a pretty good read. Oh, sounds like an interesting one. I'll definitely have to check it out. My next question is you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? I'm going to say Malcolm X. I'm going to say Jay-Z and I'm going to say Obama. Okay. Three great choices. My last question is, do you sing in the shower? No, I sing all the time. I sing during workouts. <laughs> Here's the important question. Would your teammates say that you're a good singer? Yes. And if they can't, they got to say it to my face. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. So as we look to end the show, where can people follow you? Let people know where you're at on social media. So on Twitter, it's at Ziggy Smalls underscore. On Instagram is Zaire, Z-A-I-R-E, two underscores. Man, that's really about it. That's all I really do. Instagram, Twitter. Twitter's my favorite, but I'll be on Instagram probably most. So yeah, follow me, check me out on there. Okay, great. We'll have those links in the show notes as well so people can follow you on your journey. Zaire, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone for listening and we will catch you next time. Again, if you like today's episode, if you haven't yet subscribed, make sure you hit that subscribe button, but also share it with a friend or two or three. That's one way you can help me to move the ball. All right, everybody, we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. 
to see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball in your business with your brand or your career, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.